Funny how that works, huh? I'm still going to preach, I think. I'm going to try anyway. Amen. Um, so I think there's, is, I love what, what Kay is, what the Lord is, is leading her in the, in the worship this morning of the testimony. I think we've, in the church at large, have gotten away from the testimony. Um, we've gotten caught up in a lot of other things. Um, I believe we've gotten caught up in a religious and political spirit and being as just a mindset. That's where we, everything's focused. Um, our pulpits have become platforms for political parties, political agendas, and political ideas. There'd be a lot that would agree with me, but I believe that the pulpit is not a place for that. Because once a pastor begins to say, I put my hat with this guy, then you have immediately ostracized people that need to hear the gospel. And while I do have a responsibility within my personal life to pray about who to vote for, where I cast my lot, I don't feel like it's my position from this pulpit preach other thing, anything other than what Paul says, Jesus and him crucified. And, and I think that we need to get back to that. So what we've, what we've seen is, and I'm going to kind of talk a little bit about the testimony, but also a little about some other things, is what we've seen is the prophetic movement has been hijacked by political ideologies and agendas. So I've said this before, the Lord has given me a, a, a thought maybe, that the difference, we used to be taught in school government and civics is what they used to call it. Uh, now they don't even teach that, but now we don't hear the word government anymore. We don't hear civics. We hear government as something as we hear the word big government, and it's something bad. But, we, but what we hear now is politics. And when you look at the two and look at the two ideologies, politics is about agendas. It's about I'm going to put up an agenda in front of you, and this is what I we want to accomplish and either you are or you aren't and then we divide amongst that. Government is established because we see the word government in the word of God, the government of God. We see uh, upon his shoulders the government will rest and the government is that it's a governing, it is a guiding, it is a leading. It is too many times I think that I, I as leadership and as as the Lord has, has put Beth and I in different places as pastors and different leadership. I begin to pray. Um, I believe what Solomon prayed. He said, Lord, give me the wisdom to lead your people. And I think that we need to get back to that. And so, as I said, prophecy has been hijacked by political platforms. And we are building, um, I want to say, uh, part of me wants to say ministries, but we're not building ministries. We're building empires off of prophecy and the political realm and that is that is a way it's i'll be honest with you it's big business it's a way to draw crowds it's it's become the new uh end times preaching that that is a, a huge huge money maker um and unfortunately we've taken what the the ministry and what the the word of god and the calling here behind this pulpit 
is not to persuade you one way or the other to vote for America. Because really, it's not about America. And yes, we do live in America, and it's something that we're very, uh, very real to us. And yes, we are to be involved in a lot of things. But we're also not supposed to operate according to the systems of this world. As a matter of fact, the, the Bible says that the, the, um, the kingdoms of this world, or a better translation of that is the systems of this world, are becoming the systems of our God. And so that's what we believe in. That's what I believe that I love about Jack and Kay is we've talked many times and we've ministered our ministries and our ideas are coming together. Southeast Oklahoma is beginning to see that. And so what we're going to begin to see is I think um, I've been feeling this for a while, but we're going to see a shift in, in, in America. We're seeing a shift in a lot of things that we're seeing in the church. A lot of the things that we have seen that um, has seemed like it had power, we're going to begin to see those structures and those places lose power. And, and a lot of that, we have a lot of prophetic people saying that, and we're talking about outside the church, but I'm talking on the inside of the church. Nobody wants to prophesy to the church. It's all about all, everybody else, but I believe that there's voices rising up right now, and I believe this is what I'm going to say The idea of mega profit is coming to an end. The idea of mega profit, mega apostle, what I say goes, and nobody can say it, that's, that structure is you're going to see it very quickly dissipate. And people are going to come out of that going, what do I do now? And so this is something that I believe that, that is, is happening uh, some would say a shaking, some would say, but I don't know if that is, but I think it's just a progression of God saying, I'm stripping away everything and I'm making it about what it needs to be about. I'm bringing it back to, we have, we, we've, and, and, it, and, and, and the church has struggled over the years because the apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers, the fivefold ministry has been fought against. It's been pushed aside, the prophetic has been pushed aside, the, the apostolic has been pushed aside, uh, maybe, maybe rightfully so because we didn't understand it, uh, and there's been definitely abuses of it, but the Lord is restoring that to becoming what it was supposed to be about. It was more about the edifying of the church. Ephesians 4 says that those five, he gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, not for getting people saved, but for the edifying of the church. The lifting of the church, what for? For the working of the ministry, to prepare the church. And we've had years where there were just pastors, but even in that we've had abuses of whatever the pastor says goes. I'm your pastor, you need to do what I tell you to do. And we've, we've become apostles, prophets, advanced pastors, and teachers should never replace the Holy Spirit in and when I begin to study the word of God, I begin to realize that there is no, we can't do our own thing. We are a part of the body of Christ. He says, you're living stones fitted together. Uh, and, and this is something that I've had to learn over the years is because somebody thinks differently doesn't mean they're wrong. Man. Uh, and as, as a young man, I was very 
probably arrogant at times. I was zealous. I knew everything. (laughs) But I began to realize with looking across, they have a revelation that I may not have. And so sitting down and having conversations with people, uh, drawing from them. I may not leave agreeing with everything they say, but I can honor them. I can say, bless you as you go and do what God's called you to do. And you're, you're, you're preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. You're ministering the best way that you know how to with the revelation that God has given you. And we continue to move forward because we're all looking for the same thing. We're all looking for people's lives to be changed. Um, so, so as the prophetic has, has begun to uh, become something that it should, should, should have never become, we have raised and exalted prophets um, and, and, and apostles. And it seems like anymore that you don't really have to have any credentials except for I'm a prophet. And everybody else says I am. And, and I'm, very, I'm, 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 I'm speaking this, but I'm also very um, understanding that I'm not against the prophetic ministry. I'm not against prophets, but I, we have to, it has to be according to the word of God. We can't just make stuff up as we go along. Um, I will say this, that, that when you look through the new Testament, there are very, I'm, I'm not, maybe there is, but I'm not seeing anybody in this, that there is a national prophet anymore. You just don't see it here. There are prophets, and even Paul begins to talk about prophecy. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians 13, and a little bit of 14, we're going to read that. And we're going to talk about the, 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 the prophetic ministry. Uh, 13 is, I love 13, it talks about love. Because right in the middle of chapter 12 and 14, he's talking about spiritual gifts. He's talking about the, the gifts that we like to, to use, and we know that they're available. We know, and we've all seen and heard of and experienced the abuses of those gifts. Um, so a lot of people want to do away with it because there is, but as long as there's humans involved in things, there's going to be, it's going to be messy. It's going to be, there's going to be some, some stuff, right? So we have got to be mature enough in the body of Christ to be able to work through that. Because if you get some young people in here that are prophesying, chances are, they're going to miss it, right? But we've got to be mature enough to come along and not get mad at them and tell them, you didn't hear God, you're not hearing God, you're not doing this. Beth and I have had people in our church that prophesied and things, and it kind of went off, and we, 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 we had to go before the Lord and say, how do we correct this? Because I don't want them to ever feel that they don't hear God. Maybe our filter is off a little bit. So we, we, we mature, we bring them in, and, and, and Paul says that, he talks about all the gifts and all the, the things in 12 and 13. He lands right in the middle of 13 and he starts talking about love. Now that's kind of interesting. He's like, you got all these power gifts and you got all these things. Why did Paul talk about love? Because it's human nature. It's sometimes our nature that when we get a little bit of revelation or we get a little bit of a couple things happening in our church or some people get saved, we got it all figured out and everybody needs to come to me to learn. I'm going to write 16 books to tell you how to do this stuff. And, and if you come to my course and you, 1995 for these tapes, you're going to learn how to do this and you're going to be able to do this. That's what we do, right? It's just, I don't know, someday maybe we won't, but that's, that's what happens. And we, we camp out 
on Revelations. This is it. This is all we're ever going to have. This is, you know, that's where we, we end up with a lot of what we have. God is restoring, I believe, the, the true prophetic. And I'm going to say this, the true prophetic has nothing to do with crowds. And we're going to find out what, what Paul's talking about here in just a minute. So 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Um, I, I, I'm going to back up to, to 30 of 12. And it's, he, he's asking, he says, do, do all have gifts of healings? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? He says, are all apostles, all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles? 31, but, I, but earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. See, in Corinthians, all this stuff was happening. Everything was happening. Everything was going on. They were, they were speaking in tongues. They were prophesying. They were healing. There was a lot of stuff going on. And it was so much. He said, but let me show you a more excellent way. Let me show you how to, to, to control this. This is not chaos. It don't, it, it don't have to be chaotic. It don't have to be something crazy. But this is, and if it is of God, it will happen. And you ain't got to make it happen. You ain't got to do This is happening. So let's, let's, let's begin to hone in on this. And let's make sure we know how to use this in a proper way. See, Paul's, when you look at Paul's writings, it never was, I'm going to write this before it happens. It was always, things begin to happen and he wrote to correct it. He's saying, I'm not saying your gifts are bad. I'm not saying, because even if it's kind of funny, because in 14 and 15, he talks about, he says, talks about the speaking in tongues. He gives that whole thing. He says, if you all speaking in tongues, somebody comes in here, they're going to say, you're out of your mind. But at the very end of 14 and 15, he says, don't stop prophesying and don't prohibit speaking in tongues. But let's just calm down a little bit, right? One of the things he says is the prophecy is subject, the spirit is subject to the prophet. In other words, we can control this. We ain't got to just blab everything that we hear, everything we say, right? So 13, he's, he said I'm a more excellent way. Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but I have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge and through, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers. Now, this is where we, we, I, I, we read this in, in marriage, and we read this when we're in the marriage ceremony. But I think this is what we got to realize that the church has not learned yet. And this is the lesson that we keep going over and over. And, and God says, this is going to be there until you learn to do it. And, and we're becoming Christ-like. We have to walk and become like Christ. And whenever, whenever I see the word love, I, I immediately associate Jesus Christ with that word. And if Jesus died on a cross and his resurrection power was really what it says it is, then we have to look at that word love and begin to see Jesus in the fullness of the word love. Jesus, or love, suffers long and is kind. Jesus, or love, does not envy. Jesus, love, does not parade itself and is not puffed up. That's something we have a hard time with sometimes. Amen. Does not behave rudely does not seek its own and is not provoked. And check this out. Thinks no evil. (laughs) Jack's got that one down. Thinks no evil. That's something that when I read this, it just kind of smacked me. I was like, how often 
Do I look at something and go, oh, well, they're doing this because, or they're, they're trying to, or this is that, or this is that. And how many, and I'm just going to hit this because this is what we're doing with, how many people do we see on Facebook every week that are ministers, that are men of God? They don't ever get on there and go, man, I'm going to tell you a great word today. Jesus loves you. They're like, we're here to show you 15 more things that's going wrong and what the, de- what the, what the government's trying to do. And they're trying to do this and they're trying to, ah, la, 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 la. Love thinks no evil. That's not just that I'm doing sin, but that's what I'm not creating evil thoughts about Ronnie. I'm not trying to think, well, I bet he's over there thinking about this or he's doing this or that. I bet the Democrats over there, they're trying to do this, they're trying to do that. They're, I bet the Republicans are trying to do this, this. I bet, also, I bet it thinks no evil. And when we get in that mindset, when we get under that political spirit or the religious spirit, the religious spirit says, well, they're wrong over there because I bet they believe this, this, and they're doing this and that. And then we begin to get in that mindset. It separates. And love does not separate. Love is not easily provoked. It is long-suffering. One of the commentaries here, I'll, I'll read him it. It says, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity. But rejoices in the truth. How many people have you seen in the last year that when something happens, we rejoice? It was one of the most gross things that I've seen is that whenever Nancy Pelosi got COVID, the Christians that were laughing about that, was excited about that. Ha, ha, ha. They're making jokes about this. And I'm going, that's not good. You don't rejoice in iniquity. You don't rejoice when things happen to other people. That's not the love of Christ. That is not Christ. That is not the gospel. And I don't care what they've done. I don't care what they've done. You cannot rejoice in the iniquity of others. It says, but it rejoices in the truth. The truth and, and, and truth is not, not, truth is not you get, <laughs> truth is not the justice that we think it is of you did it to me. Now God's going to get you back and then I'm going to be excited about it. No, truth is, is that they, that, that, that they know the truth and they are set free. They know Jesus and they are set free. I rejoice in Christ. I rejoice in the power and the resurrection of what he's doing, that God is reconciling the world. He's pulling them to him. He's shifted it everything and everything's coming to him. And that these people, they are going to know him. I rejoice in the truth. Now watch this. Love bears all things believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. One of the commentaries here says, endures everything. Puts up with everything. That's hard to do. It's hard to take the high ground when you say, amen. Somebody talking to you, you're going, man, if I wasn't saved today, Lord, if you could just... If I could just remove that for just a second, Lord, let me, I would give them the right hand of fellowship all wadded up, right? mm. Listen to this. Love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Prophetic sometimes fails, not because of God, but because of us. Love never fails. Love does not fail. And I believe that in, 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 in our world today that we, have, we don't believe in love. Love is too easy. Oh, that's just love. That's just those lovey-dovey. You're just one of those lovey-dovey preachers. Yeah, because Jesus is love. And I preach Jesus. And love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. 
Where there are tongues, they will cease. Where there is knowledge, it will vanish away. Now we've used this, 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 we've taken this scripture and we've taken it and we went crazy with it saying, okay, there's no more prophecies, there's no more tongues, and there's no more knowledge anymore, right? So they say, that's what the argument I've heard is, well, there's no more tongues because the Bible's here, we have it complete, it's the complete Bible, so there's no more tongues. But then when people would ask them and say, well, well, what about knowledge? We still, there's still knowledge around, right? But when I begin to look at this, you, you, if you take this out of context and you just take that out of scripture... You, you, it sounds weird, but when you go into the next part of what he's saying, he says, for we know in part and we prophesy in part. We've, we've just given each, that's what I love about God. He says, you're, you're different, you don't even like each other, but you got to come together to make it work. I'm only going to give you a piece of it because he knows that we'll become puffed up, we'll be provoked, <laughs> right? We won't be long-suffering if we know everything. Right? And so he says, you part. He says, but then that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, uh, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. So prophecies will fail, tongues will cease, and knowledge will vanish away. So he said, let's take those three things and let's look at it from what Paul is saying from a childish point of view. Right now, what we have, there's, there's a, a lot of people, and I've told Beth, I said, and I, and I don't mean to, to be this way, but this is what it becomes is our prophetic ministry has become prophetic ministry. You can get online and get a prophetic word every single day. And I told Beth, I said, that's become our horoscope. There's some people that wake up every day. What are the prophets saying today? And I've told Beth, I said, half the prophecies that we have, we don't ever fill them out. We don't ever complete them. It's like, well, give me a new word. Well, what have you done with the word you had yesterday? Have you walked that out? Have we walked this prophetic word, Jesus Christ, out to the fullest? Let's try that. Let's get that down. And then we'll go and say, give me another prophetic word. Amen? You haven't done what, what, you've, what you've been told to do yet. Then we'll move on. So that's, that's a, he says, prophecies will fail. Why? Because they're not working. Why? Because we want more of it. We want more prophecy. I'm going to go to this prophet. I'm going to go to that prophet. What's this prophet say? Well, I don't really like what he's saying. What's he saying? I don't know about him. And we want this prophet, and we're up and down. We're up and down. Well, what's the prophet say? And I'm going to tell you, none of the prophets are saying, Jesus Christ is Lord, and he's great, and he's, he's healing, and he's moving right now. It's all about the gloom and doom and everything that's wrong. So they're failing us. Because prophecy is not about gloom and doom. And it's not about all the things the devil is doing. It's not about here is a new report of what's bad is going on in the world. The, uh, Revelation 19 and 10 says it is the testimony of Jesus Christ that is the essence of prophecy. Yeah. Watch this. When I was a child, I spoke and I had to have tongues. Remember, we, we, if you grew up in the churches I grew up in, it was tongues. And you, man, I, we, and I heard this, and it, even then it kind of drove me crazy. It was like, man, man I, was just, I didn't know what I was doing. I was just speaking in tongues, didn't know what I was doing. No, you didn't. You knew exactly what you was doing. Because the Bible says, and just a little over here in 14, it says that the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. Who can control these things? But we've made it all these things. It was childish. It, but, but the Lord says it's okay because it was in a confined environment and you had to grow. And Paul says, I did childish things. And it was okay when I was a child. But when I became older, I put away childish things. Now Paul says, I'm not doing away with prophecy. I'm not doing away with prophecy. But I, I, do we ever get to the point in our life where I don't have to have a prophet speaking to me every single day? You know why? Because you have the Holy Spirit. 
You have the Holy Spirit inside of you. He's leading you. He's guiding you. And he's reminding you of all the things Jesus said. Watch this. And knowledge. So knowledge is, we heard, knowledge puffs up, right? I got to have knowledge. I need to have that knowledge. And, and, and I've been on quest for knowledge. I've been on quest to know and to have and to know and get everything perfect and get everything perfect. But, but there comes a part of me when you stay hungry that you say, I know this and I know this and I know the scriptures. I know it forward, backwards, and I know all this stuff. But then sometimes I know the new songs. I know the new chords. I know new all this. But sometimes I have to, have to step back and I have to go back to the old way of some of the old songs that we had. And it says, nothing but the blood of Jesus. I mean, I know some of the new chords are fancy. All this stuff is great. We know uh, the right uh, guitar plugins and all these kind of things that we got in. But sometimes I just go back and I say, what can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Knowledge just begins to come to a place that it says, it's not that we don't continue to grow. It's just that it becomes less important to us. The, the knowledge of everything and knowing is not about knowing, but it's about him. And we begin to come into a more adult, a more excellent way of operating in the gifts and understanding how to, to move and how the, 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 the first apostolic church mindset was. And I love this story of Paul. Paul was, could have went to the Jews and he could have ministered to them and broke it down and argued with them and showed them the text and the Greek and the study of history says that he could speak like nine or ten languages. He could have broke it down anyway. But God says, no, I'm not going to let you use that. I'm not going to let you use your knowledge. You go to the Gentiles who could care less about everything that you know. And here's Peter, who was a fisherman, who, who probably associated more with the Gentile people of understanding. And they were kind of considered ignorant anyway. And he says, well, I could go there. But he says, no, no, I'm going to use the fisherman. You go to the Sanhedrin. And you go up there and I'll use you to minister to the Jews. I love it. He says, don't, don't, don't rely on what you know, your knowledge. Rely on me and the Holy Spirit. So good. This is such good stuff. I put away childish things. Verse 12. Here's this vision. We don't have vision, but we do. We always have vision. For now we see in a mirror dimly. But then face to face, now... I know in part, but then I shall know just as I'm also known. And now abide faith, hope, love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Now watch this. We're going to talk about prophecy. What is prophecy? It says this, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. He says, speaking tongues is great, but I desire to prophesy and to, uh, to exhort and to, uh, uh, what does it say, and to edify um, and comfort and to speak comfort to men. That doesn't sound like a lot of our sermons that we get, we get preached at. We come going, oh, man, that's kind of rough. <laughs> I don't know if I feel good about myself. I don't know if, if, if what, and people's like, oh, that's just conviction. No, that's, that's just being mean-spirited. And that's beating people down. But here Paul says, prophesy. He says, I desire more that you may prophesy. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. Ephesians 4, for the edification of the church for the working of the saints, for the working of the ministry. This is where we're going with this. 
He says, I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless indeed he interprets. And he goes on and starts talking about all the different things. It says, verse 6, but now, brethren, if I come to you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you unless I speak to you either by revelation, by knowledge, by prophesying, or by teaching? Even things without life, whether flute or harp, when they make a sound, unless they make a distinction in the sounds, how will it be known what is piped or played? For if the trumpet makes an uncertain sound, who will prepare for battle? So likewise, you, unless you utter by the tongue words easy to understand, how will it be known what is spoken? For you will be speaking into the air. There are, it may be, so many kinds of languages in the world, and name of them is without significance. Therefore, I do not know the meaning of the language. I shall be a foreigner to him who speaks, and he who speaks will be a foreigner to me. Even so... You, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that you may seek to excel. You may edify the church. Lift each other up. Encourage one another. Well, what if they're wrong? Encourage them to do better. (laughs) Right? Don't point your finger at them. But we've all been there. I've been there. It gets better. It gets easier. This thing that you're dealing with, you will not always deal with it, right? There have been times I've dealt with things in my life as a, as a young minister, and I'd go talk to other ministers that were, had been in longer than I have, and I would say, this is what I'm dealing with. And they would kind of smile at me and say, this too shall pass. No, you don't understand. It's so heavy on me. It's like, I know. I've been there. But stay with it. Continue the path. Trust in God. Pray and worship and read your word of God. Do the good things that you're supposed to do, and I promise you, you will not deal with this later on down the line. Now, so many years in the ministry, I don't deal with those things anymore, right? But when somebody else comes in, I look at it, and we have people come to me, and I go, oh, this is my opportunity. <laughs> like, this is the chance you're going to make it through. I'm going somewhere with this. Um, let's jump over to verse 22. And, and it says, therefore, tongues are for a sign, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. But prophesying is not for unbelievers, but for those who believe. Therefore, if the whole church comes together in one place and all speak with tongues, and there come in those who are uniformed or, or uninformed, sorry, uninformed or unbelievers, they will, will they not say you are out of your mind? <laughs> all speaking in tongues, going crazy. And this, this <laughs> if I had been 15 years ago, I'd have had a hard time somebody preaching this. I'm like, argh. I'm full of the Holy Ghost. Verse 24. <laughs> but if all prophesy, and an unbeliever or an uninformed, uh, uninformed person comes in, he is convinced by all, he is convicted by all, and thus the secrets of his heart are revealed, and so, falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is truly among you. That is the prophecy. Now, this goes right along with what I believe Ms. Kay was saying, was about speak your testimony. Because in the book of Revelation, we see, at that time, John is having this revelation, and he sees a man in white, and he falls down to worship him. And this man says in Revelation 19 and 10, it says, And I fell at his feet to worship him, but he said to me, See that you do not do that. I am your fellow servant and of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Listen to this. Worship God 
For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. What is our testimony that is not the testimony of Jesus? Everyone here, we have the same testimony. Whether or not we have a different journey to come, but we have the same testimony. Is I once was lost, but now I'm found. This is what the Lord has done for me. There's an old song we sing in the Pentecost. Look what the Lord has done. He healed my body. He touched my mind. He saved me just in time. <laughs> I'm going to praise this. I play the bass. I was like. <laughs> but yes, the testimony of Jesus. Your testimony is the testimony of Jesus Christ. Your testimony of, I was upset. Well, people say, well, I don't have a crazy testimony. Like, I didn't have a big wreck. You don't have to. You simply can say, I was lost. I was, I was, I didn't know who I was. I was, I, whatever it was that your testimony is, at some point in life, I don't know what exactly it was, but there was a point that I realized that when I called upon his name, things changed. That he healed me. He put my mind back together. He, he brought relationships back together. He got me out of trouble. Whatever, I've heard a million different testimonies. But the one thing that is the, the, the common denominator, it was when I called upon his name. I don't know how many testimonies I've heard that people say, I was in a place and I said, God, if you're really real, and if this Jesus is really real, and he really did what you said he did, and he did it for me. If that's true, I'll serve you, but I got to feel you. People will say, in a moment, I felt him come. I felt him come. And it's in those moments in those moments, I've had people argue with me over experiences that I've had. And I tell them, I said, the only difference between me and you is you weren't there. Oh, you just had this emotion. This chemical left your brain. This is a flight or flight thing. And it was just that. And I said, it may be so. You may be exactly right, but you weren't there. And all I know is what I know when I was inside that vehicle. It was on fire. I was two broken legs and a broken arm, and I couldn't get out of the vehicle. I tried to open the door. The door would not open. This is my testimony. The door wouldn't open, but I got stopped for a moment, and I said, Lord, I'm tired of running. Here I am. And if you can use me, broken, you can use me. I don't have much to give you right now. But if you, your calling is up on my life the way you really say it is, get me out of this vehicle. I'll take it as a sign. Here I am, Lord. I'm tired of running. And as soon as I said that, the door that I had tried to open by myself, and I could not, couldn't break the window, couldn't do anything. As soon as I said that, that door opened up on its own. And something laid me on the ground, and I pulled myself away, and I stand before you today. I was blind. I was lost. I was running from him. I ran so far from him, I ended up running him into him head on. In the form of an oak tree about that big around <laughs> But when I did run into him, and I did find myself in, in the flames of that vehicle, literally I feel like the flames of hell, the flames of that vehicle, when he showed up, he didn't show up with his hand reared back to say, I told you so, Ooh, you're going to get it now. But his hands was out. And as David says, he lifted me up out of the miry clay and he set me on a solid rock. Amen. He set me on that solid rock. He put his love in me. He put his spirit in me. And he says, now let's run this race together. 
And like David, I can say, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil because I know that the old folk, you say, know that you know that you know that you know that he is with me. Amen. The testimony of Jesus is the essence of prophecy. You may never stand and prophesy like some people do, but if you testify, you're doing the exact same thing. Amen. There's an old Assembly God preacher named Gilbert King, and he'd say, that's gooder than gravy. (laughs) Oh, I love it. God is good. Amen. Anybody got a testimony? (laughs) Give it to Jack. Amen. Your testimony (coughs) speaks of Jesus. Amen. Let's make a declaration. As we have given back to the Lord a portion of what He has given us, we declare that He teaches us to profit and leads us in the way we should go. The Lord gives us power to make wealth, supplies all our needs according to His riches and glory. We bless Israel and pray for the peace of Jerusalem. As He blesses us, His way becomes known on the earth and salvation among all nations. Lord, we are believing You for jobs and better jobs, raises and bonuses, Debts paid off and transfer well. Prosperous businesses, our vats filled with oil, and our coffers with gold. Expenses decreased, blessings increased. Heavens opened, earth invaded. Signs, wonders, miracles, and angelic visitations. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, thank you for more than enough. So we can give into your kingdom, co-labor with heaven, see Jesus gives for reward. Amen.